Sparkling Vintage Life, where we discuss all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and it's November 29th, 2019, as I record this. It's the day after Thanksgiving here in the United States. Um, We had our big dinner meal yesterday with family and friends, or even on our own, which is something I'm going to touch on in this podcast later on. Um, But also today, so we call it Black Friday because it's the kicks off the Christmas shopping season and um, therefore it puts retailers in the black, so to speak, um, helping them make their profit for the year. And that's where it got its name. But um, I personally don't even like to leave my house on (laughs) Black Friday. For one thing, I'm um, not a big shopper. For another, I uh, am too full of turkey and stuffing from yesterday to feel much like moving outside. Um, and also, I just, I don't like crowds. I think it um, things get kind of crazy out there. So I'm just as happy to stay home. But that's what it is today. And I'm um, choosing to talk to you instead. There's um, not much to report in the way of writing news. I did finish NaNoWriMo um, just today. Um, hit my 50,000 word goal on a novel that um, will not see the light of day for quite some time because what you write during National Novel Writing Month is not <laughs> not usually fit for consumption um, without a lot of rewriting and editing. But it, the point is to get your first draft down and um, that's kind of what I did for this um, book. And I'll just tell you it's set in uh, two time periods, uh, 1945 and 1915. And uh, so, yeah, it was interesting. We'll have to see how that all comes together. Um, the Highlanders novella collection, of course, is now available for sale in both ebook and softcover versions. I will put a link to that in the show notes. I also have an article in the current issue of Sandpoint Magazine all about the big snow of 1969 that shut the region down. Um, If I can find an online version of that article, I will link to it as well. Writing it gave me, put me in a snowy mood, (laughs) but there's no snow on the ground here on this Thanksgiving weekend, which is pretty rare in itself here in northern Idaho. It is bitter cold, however. So I started out thinking I was going to make this podcast all about Thanksgiving and about um, Thanksgiving traditions of old. And I just, I started it over and over again, and it kept making me feel blue. And I couldn't figure out why. And um, so I think maybe I'll just try it another day, and I'll try it another day. And um, Thanksgiving, of course, by now has come and gone. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I realized the reason talking about Thanksgiving was making me feel sad was I was missing my family and, um, especially missing my mother who passed away, um, several years ago now. Um, she was, had been diagnosed with dementia. It was around Thanksgiving time. So kind of Thanksgiving and 
that diagnosis, and one of the last times I saw her all happened around Thanksgiving, which was making me kind of gloomy. And so that got me to thinking of a new topic that I want to talk to you about, um, which maybe isn't particularly vintage, but it's about um, the holiday blues. And I'm going to scoop up Christmas and include that here, because for some people especially those who have lost a loved one or who maybe find themselves alone on a holiday for whatever circumstance. Maybe they live far from family and can't travel or whatever the reason they have to work. Um, Christmas can be a downer for many people. And so I just, as someone who kind of goes through that myself, not to a terrible degree, but... um, I just thought we're all friends here and we can talk about the Christmas blues, (laughs) the Thanksgiving blues a little bit. Um, At this time of year, we're bombarded over and over with the message that holidays are meant for families. The bigger the family, the better. (laughs) And if you're not part of a family or if your family is far away um, or scattered or otherwise not altogether for the holiday, that there's something wrong with you, or the holidays aren't really meant for you, and you're an object of pity, or um, I don't know, it's maybe I'm the only one who feels that way, but um, this is, of course, bunkum, to use a vintage term that means exactly what it kind of sounds like. Um, Single people, widowed people, Couples like my husband and I, without children, without um, extended family living nearby, all of us deserve to have a good holiday. And the answer is not automatically to attach us to a family so that we feel less weird and out of step. That's really not the point. Um, Sometimes it can be harder when someone tries to include you in their tight-knit family celebration, um, but you're not... You feel almost more on the outside when that happens. I remember a time years and years ago I was invited for Christmas Eve um, to a friend's family gathering, um, which was wonderful of my friend to do, but she hadn't cleared it with some of her cousins and extended family who kind of showed up with this attitude of, who you know, who's looking at me, who's this person? Um, what's she doing here? I felt pretty unwelcome by some of the people who clearly wanted a close-knit um, Circle the Wagons family celebration. And I was pretty happy to <laughs> go home um, to my book and my bath that night. Um, nobody wants to feel like a good deed or a project. They So I would say to families, who, if you do invite the single person um, or the widowed person or whoever, uh, make sure you're, you're inviting them like you would at any other time of year because you like them and you would enjoy their company or you want to get to know them. Don't invite them with the attitude that you're rescuing them from a fate of being alone on Christmas or on Thanksgiving because it, it doesn't work that way. At least it doesn't work that way for me. Um, My husband and I were fortunate enough this year to um, gather with other friends and family um, 
uh, sorry, friends who did not have family nearby. And uh, we, it was wonderful. We enjoyed it very, very much. Um, but I'm getting off track here. What was I trying to say? The first thing I think if you find yourself alone on the holiday is address your mindset. You're not the only one who's having a solo holiday, although it can certainly feel like that sometimes. You are not less than people who have blood relatives or relatives by marriage. You are not inadequate or whatever lie you've been telling yourself. You need not have a miserable holiday. You may prefer to be with your family, but circumstances are preventing a visit this year. On the other hand, you may not prefer to be with your family, but have chosen to go solo or get together with friends who are not blood relatives. None of this makes you strange, weird, or worthy of pity. A corollary to shifting your mindset is to watch what media you're consuming and temper it if you need to. If you let the messages of too many Hallmark movies or too many sweet stories or holiday songs sink in to tell you that family is everything, that only relationships by blood or marriage count as worthwhile relationships or that you are some kind of a loser if you're alone on a holiday, you'll be sunk before you start. Counteract some of these holiday specials with, um, I don't know, watch a Agatha Christie mystery or a thriller or whatever type of entertainment you normally enjoy. Don't, um, don't confine yourself just to the quote-unquote Christmas movies. Um, get a more balanced perspective. Um, the third thing I want to say is if you're spending the holiday alone because you've lost someone close to you, give yourself the time and space to grieve. Um, maybe leaf through some old photos and remember the good times and remember the funny times and the poignant times. Go ahead and let yourself have a good cry. To me, that's one advantage of having a solo holiday is you don't have to paste on a smile and a happy demeanor when you don't feel like it. Don't try to force yourself to have a jolly good time when you're just not feeling it. On the other hand, if you're grieving for someone but you're not feeling weepy or blue, um, don't force it either. You're not a bad person if you're not... Um, if you're not crying for the person, you can remember them fondly and, uh, you know, maybe you grieve in a different way and that's okay too. If you find yourself being, feeling blue around the holidays, try doing something for someone else. It's kind of a cliche, but one of the quickest ways I've found to stop feeling sorry for myself is to do something kind for somebody else. When we moved to a new community and we didn't know anybody, my husband and I volunteered at a community Christmas dinner. We had moved in late October and had only met a few people by Christmas and certainly not enough to um, pull together a, a big feast or something. So, um, so we volunteered. 
And it felt really good to focus on making somebody else's holiday special instead of worrying about our own and whether it would be quote-unquote good enough. Um, Those were some of the best holidays I've ever enjoyed. We did that for several years just because we enjoyed doing it. You can minister to people in other ways, too. I used to recommend delivering cookies to places like police and fire stations and places where people had to work on the holiday. Sadly, I can no longer recommend doing this because in this day and age, officers are likely to unlikely to eat food delivered by strangers. <laughs> That's purely out of their own safety and vigilance. Um, there's so many crazy people out there. But you could still deliver un- inedible things, cards or other expressions of thanks to um, people who work so hard on the holidays while we're off celebrating. You could also visit um, nursing homes, people who are shut in or maybe too sick or elderly to go out in the cold weather, um, but they might appreciate some company or some cheering up, someone to talk to. In this case, call first to make sure a visit would truly be welcome and convenient for the person. And also remember that people get lonely at times other than holidays as well. So um, think of doing that maybe throughout the year. Number five, I recommend keeping up some traditions, even if you're blue or alone on the holidays. If you love certain aspects of the holidays, don't feel you have to drop them just because you're solo this year. If you love baking and decorating cookies, pull out the flour, sugar, and butter. My mom and I loved to bake cookies together at Christmas. We called ourselves the Sunshine Bakery. (laughs) Now that she's gone, I still bake cookies using her cookie cutters. And I love reliving those memories. And then I give a lot of the cookies away so my husband and I don't overdose on sugar. (laughs) Maybe you love decorating, in which case decorate your place. If it's just for you, that's okay. You are worth putting up lights and and wreaths and things. Maybe you love listening to certain music at the holidays or watching certain movies. You can do so over and over if you want without anyone plugging their ears and running from the room because uh, they're hearing the opening notes of White Christmas. On the other hand, you can drop some traditions. If you don't like putting up a tree, you don't have to put up a tree. Another joy of solo holidays is that no one will pressure you to keep up traditions that have grown stale or no longer have the meaning for you that they once did. If you'd rather chew tinfoil than watch George Bailey find Zuzu's petals one more time, you get to skip the annual showing of It's a Wonderful Life. If making grandma's mince pie is no longer your thing, the holiday police are not going to show up at your door and arrest you. It's okay to let it go. At the same time, you can institute new traditions of your own. Maybe you want to uh, take a long walk in the woods on Christmas Day and uh, enjoy nature, enjoy the beauty of God's creation. And that could become a new thing that you do. Um, For some years back in Illinois, um, my husband and I would go to the zoo. 
on Christmas. And sometimes we'd have a whole passel of relatives with us, and sometimes it would be just us. It felt good to get out in the fresh air and um, sometimes sunshine and just uh, take a walk. Or maybe you want to, uh, to do something else that's just something maybe your family wouldn't have wanted to do, and, and you get to now. I also encourage you to not over-idealize either other people's holidays or your own past holidays. It's so easy to romanticize holidays of your past in your childhood, remembering the good parts and maybe forgetting the parts that weren't so good, the arguments or the boredom or um, the tense times. We don't remember those. We remember what was good, and it's easy to compare the golden past to our not-so-golden present. And um, that's just know that that's kind of a skewed perspective. Yes, there were wonderful things of the past, and there will be wonderful things in the future. And um, so just don't get carried away too much with thinking Christmas or Thanksgiving were perfect when you were young. All over the country, for every family that truly is living out the ideal Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving or Christmas, there's probably at least one other family where that ideal is falling short. And also remember that what you see on Instagram or Facebook is other people's highlight reels, their best moments. Don't make the mistake of thinking their whole life is like that. They just may have managed to snap a photo or two at a moment when everyone was smiling between arguments. <laughs> Again, if you're on your own this holiday, try to take advantage of it. Make it um, something special. Set your own schedule. Sleep as much as you want. Eat when you want. Go out if you want or stay home. Catch up on your reading or go see a movie. You get to be in charge of your domain. And this should probably be number one, but um, remember the purpose of the day. The purpose of Thanksgiving is to give thanks to God for all of the many blessings he's given us. The purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Jesus um, for believers. If all you do today is uh, ponder the good things in your life instead of your disappointments and discouragements, you're bound to feel better. Um, and if you're a believer, you're never alone because he's there with you. With a lack of demands for your time and attention on the holidays, maybe you can make it a special time of diving into deep conversations with God. Um, do some journaling, do some spiritual reading. Dig into your Bible. Sometimes we say we're too busy, too busy, too busy. Well, here, you know, if you're alone on a holiday, what a perfect opportunity that is. So that's it. Those are the ways to make the most of a holiday spent solo. Maybe you can arrange things so that next year you won't be on your own. On the other hand, maybe you'll have such a good holiday on your own this year that you won't want next year to be different. Godspeed. And I'll be back in a moment with today's Grace Note. 
Today's grace note is an excerpt from a book called The Woman You Want to Be by Marjorie Wilson. It's mostly a book about charm and personality, but um, and it, I think it first was published in the 1930s during the Great Depression, but it, another edition was published in the 40s during World War II. And in that edition, Marjorie Wilson added a postscript called Adjusting Yourself to Today, meaning adjusting yourself to the different um, restrictions and privations of um, World War II. But I thought some of what she said um, applies to our topic today about how to make the most of um, times that we feel blue or um, deprived of something we really want. So here's adjusting yourself to today. But how to live beautifully today on less than usual? Faced with the shortages, priorities, and allotments of consumer goods, we must make life and happiness for ourselves. No longer is it to be delivered on our doorstep wrapped in cellophane. We have more to do and less on which to do it. Yet down in our hearts we know that we have the skill, the courage, the ingenuity, the imagination, and the all-important good taste to make a very fair success of living with the materials at hand. Take the subject of pleasure. It is entirely in what you think about it. For instance, haven't you often heard it said that if people had to work as hard for a living as they do at play, then they would think themselves dreadfully persecuted? For instance, if you can't play golf, maybe because of the fees or the resources being needed during the war, you still have your legs, and it is sheer willful moaning that will keep you from taking long walks that won't cost you a penny, but will help to keep your figure trim and your nerves and your liver in order. <laughs> Consider all your inconveniences temporary, just for the duration of the war, or in our case, the holidays. Skip over them as you mentally would some obstacle that is going to be removed shortly, and keep your mind's eye on time to come. We shall be using substitutes for many erstwhile luxuries before very long. Some of us will test our skill in finding something homemade just as good. It's surprising how often we find the substitute no sacrifice at all. It comes as a surprise to many of us that one game is about as engrossing as another. It is the sense of contest, of pitting luck and skill against that of others that makes a game fun. So parlor, croquet, table tennis, charades, 20 questions, rhyming contests, pitching horseshoes, and potato races can be made just as amusing for sophisticates as many more expensive games. It is good to learn that we are shaped from within, not from without. Hospitality, good talk, and gaiety are the stuff of social happiness. When you are really having a good time, it is not because Mrs. Hostess is laden with her famous gems or because you are eating from priceless heirloom Venetian glass. You are happy 
because someone has managed to flash a light of warmth, appreciation, challenge, or a compliment your way. One of the most telling and touching scenes for me in Gone with the Wind was the picture of Melanie entertaining with gracious charm after the war in her bare little house with broken teacups without saucers. And no one but the feverishly grasping Scarlet noted the lack. We may or may not be reduced to similar straits, but even if we are, we shall do as Melanie did, with seeming detachment from all materialism, rising graciously above anything, spiritually whole and entirely ourselves. It has never been considered the essence of elegance anyway to depend on luxurious appointments for hospitality. It's nice to have them, but a charming host or hostess can offer the merest cracker with a natural, gracious, and unaffected warmth, with all the true elegance necessary for anybody's entertainment. I've noticed that people who have to depend upon fancy trappings for their fun seldom keep their friends or win secure positions. Singing is the soul's expression. It clears out the corners of the heart and doesn't let stale emotions pile up. If you can't sing out loud for fear of disturbing someone or being conspicuous, then sing in your mind, thinking the actual words and tune. Do so going down the street and see what it does to your posture, your walk, your spirits. Sing new songs, old songs, hymns, national anthems, football songs, arias, swing, anything. But sing. Get the neighbors in and sing. Set aside a regular evening for a song fest. A singing nation has heart. Above all, do not drop out of normal social activities. Be determinedly hospitable. Get out the corn popper. Have play readings. Each of the neighbors reading a part. Reading aloud is being rediscovered today. Alexander Wolcott once said that almost every man has a poem in his vest pocket. And choose your own reading matter carefully. It can be an escape as well as entertainment and nourishment for the mind and soul. An air raid warden in London wrote that she reads mystery stories to take her mind entirely from the tragedies that occurred last night and those that may happen tonight. Another woman says that poetry helps keep her in closer touch with sane beauty in the harsh duties that tire the body and weary the spirit. Still another devotes herself to historical novels packed with adventure. The interesting thought was brought out that these tired workers hardly hear the booming of the great guns. One of them even referred to it as a comfortingly loud barrage that they sleep through pandemonium and hear only the tinkle of the telephone bell that calls them to duty. Isn't this further evidence that we can train our sensibilities to register whatever we wish to register and only that? Consider that at this moment you register only the impressions you wish to recognize. It's true. Consider that when the war is over, You can have from all your experiences whatever you choose to bring with you from them. 
So choose now whether you are going to be embittered, drained, pessimistic, or tired, or whether you are going to be disciplined, healthier, better adjusted to reality, more inspired and exalted, and full of plans for the future. The courage and indomitable spirit of our men and women are going to win this war and are going to leap into the after-task of making this a better world in which to live. Not the least important of your contributions will be bringing to it your full measure of grace, beauty, and charm. And that was from the article, Adjusting Yourself to Today, written during World War II by Marjorie Wilson. And that's it for this episode of the Sparkling Vintage Life podcast. If you have a heart that sometimes yearns for the misty memories of yesteryear, be sure to subscribe to my newsletter at sparklingvintagelife.com. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in again next time when I'll be back to discuss another aspect of a sparkling vintage life. Mm -hmm.